Hi there, my name is Adam Waters, and I'm the lead pastor here at Grace Bible Church in Elmhurst, Illinois. I'm just so glad that you made the decision to take us along with you this week on life's journey. Here at Grace Bible Church, we are a family of faith who seeks forgiveness, healing, and hope in Jesus Christ. Now, we might all come from different backgrounds, but each of us recognize that the tremendous needs in our lives point us to one place, to God, for His answers, His provision, and mostly for His grace. I hope the following program gives you a new perspective on who God is, who you are, and how you too might find forgiveness, healing, and hope in our Lord Jesus. Thanks for listening. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the other people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so they did not not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, Whoever ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn them and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like the seed along the path, where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Others, like the seed sown in rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown along thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, others like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what is sown. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you both. Error error on the pitcher. So last time I I got to preach for for us, I got the um, 
I was new, so we were still trying to work, Pastor Adam and I were trying to work on a system of what we refer to each other and when we're in a group studying together. We came up with a system, Adam 1, Adam 2. We didn't like that. I had a little Dr. Susie feel to it. Instead, we lately have been working on a new theory where we would just go by when we're together, A-Dub and the Fox. <laughs> Pastor, I like it. It kind of sounds like we're trying to be a, a Benny and the Jets type of feel to it, a little bit, you know. I could sing Elton John. I'd prefer not to. But right now, if you want to refer to me as just A-Dub or the Fox, I guess we will respond. But we're working on it. We're working on it. But either way, I'm glad I'm be able to hear, and I'm thankful for Joel and Daniela, for the worship team, for what already probably we could just end it right now and say what a great worship service it is, and God has been praised greatly. But this is bonus. So um, the parable of the sower, kind of one of my favorite, one of my favorites, and I got jumped on the chance to preach this one because it's something that I focuses on a lot of things. It's one that always caused me to evaluate myself. Whenever I heard this, whenever I read it, my mind always goes to, well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of information, the evaluation of the seeds and the soil and the climates. Because plants are something I can relate to. I think we all can relate to when we talk about plants. Think of, well, you may not be like, I don't like eating my vegetables. Neither do I. But that's not what I'm talking about. We need plants for our world. Where would we be without Trees, scrubbing our air, washing our water, uh, feeding our animals, feeding ourselves. We need these plants. We can relate to these things. These are a natural example to us of something, and that's one of the reasons why Jesus used it. Plants are something that are necessary for our environments. And it's, it was then in Jesus' time, and it is now again today. But being honest, I'm not good with plants. I have a bad history with them. We, um, when we just got married, we bought, thinking we could grow things in our little tiny apartment. We got um, a set of cat grass. People who have cats understand cats like grass. And then we bought like a little herb thing for ourselves, thinking like we could have parsley every morning. So we bought those. It wasn't a week later till we found the cat ate all of it. <laughs> all of it. So I'm like, you know what, maybe we just can't have plants in the apartment where the nat our cat, Isabella, could eat them up. We got a greenhouse. Little tiny greenhouse. We put little tiny flowers, hopefully roses. And I'm thinking, you know what, I don't have to buy roses for Andrea ever again. I could just grow them. I was wrong. Because um, apparently, here's something you didn't, maybe you didn't know, because I learned. You have to water your plants just about regularly. You know, you can't just water them on Monday, forget about them for three days, and then water them three times as much on Thursday. That's not, they died really badly. Really badly. So, you know, we're 0 for 2. Then you would say, well, obviously, yards are hard to kill. You're right, they are. And thankfully, ours is green but I don't touch it because we have a lawn service. And, and you say like, I grew up, in the, I, I grew up uh, learning that like, if it's green in the, gra in the grounds, it's probably good for grass. Weeds, crabgrass, whatever, it's green. That's good enough. Not good enough for our neighbors. 
because I've seen our, one of our neighbors, very sweet lady, come by and pull giant weeds out of our yard because it, it's, uh, it, it's hard for her to see weeds dec- when she's outside enjoying the plants. And yes, I thank her all the time. But w- me alone, not good with nature. You'll learn that. But, not, but plants are something that we could understand. And of course, my friend Barb understood it greatly too. Hi, Barb. Miss Qualls, I learned a while ago when I was in a teenager. We talk, we, I think we turned her down when I was a teenager, last time I saw Barb a lot. She would always have us over for, my dad and our family over for, um, you know, just hanging out with pastors and their families do. And I would always remark every spring, her flower bed is perfect. Everything is lined up. Every flower has the perfect amount of bloom to it. Every single time. And I got curious because I'm like, why is it every time your flowers are perfect? How often do you spend in the garden? Then she just told me, oh, they're fake. <laughs> I plant, I plant silk, plant, silk plants. Every, every season I just plant a bunch of different colors and I, I'm perfect for the rest of the year. See, I can get behind that. But that's not what Jesus is talking about today. <laughs> Plants are something that are legendary examples to us. And this story heeds to it because we can learn from nature. We can learn from, because the parable of the sower is something that has, talking about, well, the sower and these four seed locations. And this is not a story, though, that where I got lost in it many years. When I heard this preached many times, it's not a story that Jesus told so we can evaluate ourselves like it's some kind of BuzzFeed quiz. You know, click here to see if which member of the office is your, favorite, is your best friend. That's not what Jesus is doing. This is not a personality test, an anagram. This is not our roll no, number nines, raise your hands. No, this is not that. This is not a sorting hat type of deal. These are not a, this is not a parable that helps us evaluate ourselves which is strange because I wanted, I wanted to be about me. I like it when I can place myself in the main character of the story. I like that a lot. This is not one of those parables. This is not one of those stories. This is a parable which is about God. Plain and simple. God, not us. And, that's if, and like I always say, and I hope you don't take this literally, if you can take one thing home today, one thought. Think about it as we're here to sow, not we are here to sow while God grows. We are here to sow, God grows. So I know Joel and Daniela did an excellent job reading. We're going to read it again. Not that you did wrong, I just would like to read it too. So in Mark 4, starting verse 3, it says, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the, shallow, the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no roots. Other seeds fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so they did not, so they did not bear grain. Still other seeds fell on good soil. It came up grew, produce a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. So this is our first principle that we're going to take out of this is 
there. Grow so that you can go, not grow and evaluate. Grow so that you can go, not evaluate. And we, when we go back to verse 3, it, Jesus starts off, and if you notice, there's an exclamation point next to it. Listen. This is not, put the TV on in the background when you're home alone so, you're not, so you can have somebody to talk with. Listen. No. This is, y'all listen. This is a command from Jesus. And yes, you know how I'm affinity for Southern Jesus. So when, that's why the y'all listen is there. Pick your own region of the country for Jesus. But to me, it's Southern Jesus right here. When he's telling us, listen, what is coming next is of strict importance. This is a command from the Father. The, and then we see the farmer and the, the farmer, the seed planter, and then the four locations. And we have heard them. They are, help me out, the path, the rocky place, thorns, and good soil. Thank you, Mr. Wiesman. You get a candy bar. So when the first, when you talk about in verse 4, the first, the first location is the seeds on the path. These are seeds that have quickly fallen on the path and never actually made it to the fields to be planted. And like any seeds that are on an easily scattered location, birds. Birds came and ate them up. Gone. If this were an Americanized story, it would probably be squirrels. And as anybody who has a bird feeder... My neighbor has three of them. My mom has one. And I've seen many b squirrels hanging around that bird feeder, knocking them all to the ground and eating his little fat self up. That is something that we can understand. These seeds never made it to their desired location. They were quickly gone in the, because of these birds and the way the seeds are at. Then we get to the second part in verse 5 and 6. The rocky place. This seems like it's a good, it starts really well. They're planted. Check. Already passed the first, past the first place. They made it there to the soil. They've got into the soil. All right, double check. Then, yeah, the soil isn't great. It's a soil that's considered, has well, filled with rocks, filled with things, immovable objects into it. Where at the, the top, is probably great, a very shallow, great amount of soil. Underneath, scattered throughout it, not much else great in there. It's filled with a lot of large objects that make it difficult to, good. It could, to me, this seems like um, clay because when we're growing up, every mid-spring, my dad wanted to have a vegetable garden. So, because we are smart people and not handsy, we rent a tiller. We get the big one. You know, Miss Ralph, the big one. Where you got to actually, you feel it every single time when you ride that thing. And every spring we would do that. Because our, my dad's garden is nothing but rocks and clay. So to get to the good soil, we have to bring it forth. Anything planted without us working the soil, without us putting effort into it, would be an inch of top, good topsoil. The rest of it is nothing. Garbage. Because of that, we have to work it and effort it. Any vegetable, any plant that would have been planted otherwise, the roots would not have anywhere to grow. They would become horizontally and they would be eventually shallow up and they would die. Or, again, more likely, 
animals would just sit th see, see them and eat them up before they had a chance to do anything good. This is the second location, these rocky places. Then we get to the third, which you see in verse 7. Thorns. This thorny location. These of, in verse 7, it tells us that these thorns, these seeds fell among thorns, and when they grew up, they were choked. See, um, I don't understand this one the most. Because yes, they made it to the ground. They planted. They actually had roots to grow. See, that's three things. We haven't, we've gotten rain so far. But then there are all these thorns that are seeds that, made, that are choking them out. Um, again, not a gardener, but some of you may be. And if you're watching on the, the Facebook stream, comment to me and if I'm doing this wrong. But wouldn't you pull the thorns out first? Or is that just like a dummy talk asking a question to himself? Don't you pull, remove the things that are be obstacles to the plants in the first place? Again, not a, this is just my thoughts, but my thumb is far from being green. It's kind of a white. Uh, exactly. This is the pro but, so this farmer ignored it, let the plants come up, and su surprise, surprise, they got choked to death and killed off. Never reach, reached finality. Then we get the fourth one, what's called the good soil. It helped this soil produce a plant. These plants each produce a supernatural amount to them. See, 30, 60, and 100 times. Bonus point, Calvin. That's what we need. I, um, by the way, I looked this up. There, these plants produce 30, 60, 100 times. And if I planted one packet of cucumbers and got 30 cucumbers per seed, I'd be a happy pickle-eating person. This is not normal. In Jewish agriculture, you would expect maybe a seven, eight times fold per harvest. Maybe 10 if you had a bumper year. The minimum here is 30, 60, and 100. This is not a norm. This is a supernatural amount of byproduct from, the, from these type of things. This is, has you under, this is points back to something is that the, farm, the, far, the grower, the farmer did. So that's the parable. Jesus ends it right there. It goes through the four location. Path. Rocky place. Thorns. Good soil. Period. Normally, this is kind of when Jesus ends things and lets us figure it out and the church, let the church theologians battle out for the ages of what's going on. Not this one. Because, thankfully, we have more. But has your mind started to wonder about which seed you are? Be honest. I've spent many a time, I still remember hearing my dad preach that and sitting in a pew right about where you are, Gary, sit hearing, uh, hearing him preach and kind of go, well, I'm not a seed on the path. I, I've accepted the Lord as my Savior. I, I, I can't be that one. I'm not a good soil. Let's be honest. I'm not that great of a person. I, those are probably for like the Pope. You know, Adam, high school Adam was not the brightest person. Does, you know, push those to the side. I get, am I a thorny place or am I a rocky place seed? That's not the point. I think we get lost in evaluating ourselves and try to be introspective on this. Because, what's this called again? 
The parable of the seedling? The parable of the sower. This is something, uh, this is, uh, something that Jesus points to us as talking about the evang- the, the, being evangelistic, sharing the good news, about the work of God through us, the transforming work of the gospel. So we are to grow so, and go so we can go. This is the parable is about the kingdom life and the need to tell other people about God. It's not a self-evaluation, a pyramid-level scheme of how you can get to the top of the pyramid in four easy steps. That's not it. Christianity doesn't have a tier system. Well, you can come closer to the cross if you're a number four, or level four seed. Are you a good soil? No, sorry, you get in the back. That's not what Jesus is telling us here. This is, the, this is an empty, empty field of the world is around us needing to hear the gospel, needing to be transformed and to understand how they can be in a seed in good soil. That is what we need to do. While it's natural for us to kind of evaluate ourselves, put ourselves in the center of the story, that's not what this is here. This is about God transforming us and the world and the nature of the gospel itself. Which, at that time, that's what we need to know to believe, which brings us to our second perspective, where it says, growing in your faith means understanding what you believe. Growing in your faith means understanding in what you believe. We, um, in the youth group, just finished the Apost- learning the Apostles' Creed, and I had this same point uh, about nine weeks ago, too. Eight weeks ago. We need to know what we believe. And Jesus is helping the disciples understand that because we read in verse 10, and I'm going to read it again for us, starting in verse 10 of, through 13, where it says, Jesus, when he was alone with the twelve, and the others around him asked him about parables, he told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to, the, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may, may ever be saying, never be perceiving, that they may ever hear but never understand. Otherwise, they may turn and be forgiven. This is something that we need to understand if we believe in God. We need to know what we believe. It's not about, well, I come to Grace Bible Church. That makes me a Christian. I give a lot of money. That may, No. That's, we need, accepting the Lord is a personal decision that we can only make. It's not about human, human status. It's not about church position. No. It's about your belief in God and Jesus' transforming nature on, uh, actions on the cross. We need to know what we believe, which is why Jesus is telling this story the first time. And then Peter and the boys pull him aside and say, kind of um, about what you just taught us. No idea. And it makes me feel better about that. that I feel like, personally, I always picture Peter's the one asking this question. Kind of, you know, but that's just me. I like to think that Peter kind of goes, hey, Jesus. Jesus, I have no idea what you just said. Say it again, talk slower, smaller words. I kind of think of that, you know, you know, and that's the thing. We need to understand. And there's no shame in asking for help if you don't understand something. Christianity has a lot of long words in it and try to understand concepts. It's okay if you don't understand. Ask questions. Ask somebody else. Read, talk, learn. Make sure you understand what you believe so that you can go and tell other people and transform them. These are key to the gospel. We need to know what we believe so we can share with others what we believe because they will have questions too. 
they will want to know how well how is christianity any different than blah 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 religion what are you going to say oh, i don't know let me call adam let me call a dub no let me tell you this is what the bible says and then you open your tablet and show them what the bible says you need to understand and this is what jesus is teaching us here these are keys knowing what you believe and sharing with what you believe let's get to the sharing part as we look at our third look at our third uh perspective as we go through the final the explanation of the parable because our third ex perspective of this is evangelism can be difficult but worth every effort Evangelism can be difficult, but worth it. And trust me, we'll see this as we have this parable explained to us. As we go, go to verse 15, where Jesus tells us the explanation. Some people are like seeds along the path. Where the word is sown, as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown to them. So, seeds along the path. We people who hear have an opportunity to hear the gospel, maybe even hear a little bit of it. And then Satan comes and quickly takes it away from them where there has been no change. Satan enters the picture immediately, without hesitation. How does this, what does this look like? How does Satan do this? How does Satan immediately steal, rob the joy and the transformation of somebody hearing the gospel, the changing nature of the gospel? And it gone so quickly, so without hesitation. Well, there's a lot of things that Satan could enter the person, bring the person can bring up in the person's self. Like, I'm not good enough to hear this. I'm, or maybe the opposite. I'm too good to hear this. I don't need any help. Or like, I remember my boss told me once when I tried witnessing to him of, I don't need to hear this. I'm not 85. When I'm on my deathbed, I'll tell you, I'll talk to you. I'll call you. Oh, Pride. Uh, and then there's, you know, there could be in another way. One of, I'll just tell you, one of the ways that I, this was on my mind a lot this way, this week when I was studying this, was um, waiting tables. Yeah, I waited tables, and I was good at it. Not to brag. Okay, a little brag. I waited tables, but I got stuck every once in a while with a shift nobody wanted. Post-church crowd. You say, why wouldn't anybody want to work at the church? Let me tell you. In a lot of cases, it's people who come from church upset that the sermon was too long or too short, hungry because they didn't get enough breakfast, or just sitting there gossiping and complaining about what happened at church. I know some of you are having introspective thoughts right now. Is that how I act? But the worst thing that really bothers people when, uh, when they wait tables is the people who leave a track on the table, and that's it. You know how many people have come to me and said, here, Fox, recycle this. They didn't give me nothing. And you may think, well, the, that to them, that signifies, well, what, my, my, my service isn't good enough? You just want to witness to me and leave me like I'm some statistic? No. You don't care about me as a person. You just want to, hear, you just want to do your thing and walk away. To them, that's a, it's a similar thing. You have the opportunity to witness by through your character and generosity and then quickly throw it away by not following up on it, by how you act, by, by what you say. There's a lot of ways Satan enters through our actions, through our words, 
through our lack of, of that. Either way, no, because of those things, the gospel never gets, the people never hear the changing words of the gospel. They're a seed dropped somewhere, not even making it to the field. Oops. Then we see in verse 16 and 17, the rocky place. Others, like seed sown on the rocky place, hear the word and once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or perspective comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So here we go. The gospel truths are presented to the hearer. They hear it. That's at least that. They hear it. But, and they, they show some type of acceptance because it says that they accept it with joy. This is not joy as in, woo, roller coaster. No, this is um, described as a shallow joy. A sh shallow joy or a superficial joy. As in something that just happens and quickly goes away. Life passes, difficulties come, nothing changes. Because once they heard the gospel, they may have came to church, but they had no root system to it. They only had this shallowness to understanding. Oh wow. oh, wow! And then they move on. Actually, that's the exact expression I remember my cousins when they were teenage little girls would do. Because then every Christmas, our family has a tradition, as you all have traditions. Ours is that we open Christmas gifts to each other on Christmas Eve. And, of course, our family does it, opens one gift apiece, oldest to youngest. And when the, when the girls, my cousins, were um, very little, waiting from Grandpa Jim all the way down to Cassie was a long wait. So you go one through, everybody except, then the begging starts. Can we open more? Can we open more? Then the free-for-all starts. Open whatever you want. And I still remember this superficial joy every single time. Because you, you, you know, you're excited for the gift that they're going to open, and then they open and go, oh, wow! Okay, what else to get? And then they rip open the next present. This is exactly what this looks like in the lives of other people. When we are sharing the gospel, where we give them five good minutes of our time, of, through our of, of testimony, through our examples, to sharing one of the Facebook posts that somebody makes every week to share so that we can easily share the gospel with other people by clicking share on our church Facebook page. You can do that now. Or, and then we move on. Five minutes and leave them is not enough. How are they going to develop a root system? You want them to figure it out themselves? You want to, it's the same principle, just like, here's a Bible, go figure it out. Learn yourself. There's a lot in here, you can figure it out, right? It's not that hard. No, we need to help them. We need to not only just witness them, point them to Christ, we need to help them grow. Find, f help them develop them. A uh, root system, you know what's a great way to do that? Wayne already pointed out one area, growth groups. Find them, put them into a Bible teaching where they not only hear the word, they can have them surrounded by other people that care for them and can explain things to them. Bring them to church. Bring them to a church function. Share with them a part of our digital church experience by sharing the live stream by, or something like that. There's a lot of ways we can witness to them and help them develop 
deep roots where they can have an understanding of who God is. We need to do it. Evangelism can be difficult. Then there's the third location, the thorns. Uh, I keep jumping. Still others are like seeds sown among thorns. They hear the word, but the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and a desire for other things come in, choke the word, and making it unfruitful. While we've had a lot of growth, Jesus has thankfully explained a lot to us. These three locations. It's not about us. It's about God working through us to share the gospel to other people, about how we can tell them about God. And now we're on the thorns. These are the people who can't um, stop growing. The, the pressures of life, the things of the thorns of life choke them out. Whether, and that, that could be a lot of different things for a lot of different people. Satan has his own way of tricking us and deceiving us. It could be, you know, the, the temptation of wealth, lust, addiction, greed, anything that robs the person from understanding God's love are a thorn in their way from growing. And like I said before, wouldn't a good farmer, knowing that these things are going to be in their life, try to help them remove them before they get grown? You're going through all the effort of planting a seed, of developing time to cultivate the seed and watering it and sunlighting it and all the other stuff. Wouldn't you want the seed to get to grow to completion? Wouldn't you want to have, instead of just like, ah, that thorn, I'm sure the thorn's not going to bother it. Everybody can work on their own thing. They'll, They'll figure it out. They're smart people. That's not what Jesus is telling us here. We can't, because we are the church, as the Inspire has showed us already, Grace Bible Church, we are the people of the church, need to stop people, help nurturing them towards God. There's a lot of ways we can do that. We need to present them with the obvious things that we see in their life of that will trip them up, that will cause them to stop growing. That is how we can help them, by removing, reminding them of these things. And like I said, evangelism can be hard. We've already seen three different types of difficulty in that. But like our, like our third perspective told us, evangelism is hard, but worth it. Because then we get to the, four, the final location. We talk about the good soil. God is telling, the commu- telling us as a community of believers, there's a lot that we can do to help people. There's a lot of things that Satan is doing, the world is doing, that will stop us from growing from helping other people hear the word, from sharing the word, by a lot of different things already. We need to help them get them to good soil, like in verse 20. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times of what was sown. So here we go. Final, the final bit. People that hear the word, accept Jesus as their Savior. And the word accept is interesting to me because accepting here in the Greek is peradekomai. Close. I was never good in the talking part, but I got this Midwest tongue here that's hard to get around. Peradekomai, accept, means to react favorably and consider right and proper. 
to react favorably and thus consider right and proper. That is what needs to happen. When people accept the Lord as their Savior, they need to parodecomai, accept him to uh, react favorably to being a part of the family of God. To react favorably. To re that is what we need and what we want. This is not a, yeah, sure. Okay, whatever, I'll do it. Kind of like when I talk to the youth group and try to get them to commit to something. Yeah, I'll be there. Sure. You know what I'm talking about. You have kids. You, this is what I want. This is, some, this is not that type of reaction of acceptance. This is something that, that interesting that we need to hear. Someone to react favorably. Something that they want. And that is what they, where they want. They want to know, they understand that they are a sinner. That only way to be forgiven for their sin is through the Lord Jesus. That is to react favorably. That is what it means to accept. But they also need to hear. And that's interesting, the way Jesus words these things. Because each of these four people have, these four seed locations, have used the word hear. The first three are used the aorist tense in Greek. I mentioned, let me explain the aorist tense. Because it's like a photograph in a picture frame. It's the view, our perspective of something that happened in the past. That's the best way I can talk about, that's the example that my old Greek professor used to ex explain to me. It's like a picture frame. It's not past tense, but it's our perspective of something that happened in the past. And these people, these first three types of seeds and locations, when they hear the evangelism preach to them, the good news preach to them, that um, it was a quick superficial hearing, as in quick one-time perspective. Because like a picture frame, it's a one-time perspective. You can look at it and go, oh, cool, yeah. And then you move on. That's what these things here, as in the gospel may have been sowed. Nothing ever happened to it, though. It never took place. They never grew. They never, maybe even never accepted the Lord as their Savior. But in verse 20, this fourth location, we change because things are in the present tense. When we hear, when they hear the Lord as their Savior, it's in the present tense, as in something that is now, something that is continual. Some, that is what they're hearing when they accept the Lord as their Savior. They've not only accepted it, but they want to hear it. It's something that is with them and has changed them and is growing continually. That is the gospel. Changing someone's life is hard, but so worth it because look at the results in verse 420. Some producing 30, 60, 100 times. That is worth it. To me at least. But where does that leave us? Have I thoroughly discouraged you this morning? That three-fourths of all the, the evangelism that you do is going to become worth nothing? That's not the point. That's not what I'm hoping for. I surely hope not. This parable teaches us a lot of things about how we need to continue to be sharing the gospel with people, making sure they understand what they think, what they are hearing, and learning, and growing, and plugged into environments of people that care for who they are and want to see them grow in their faith. That is what we need to be doing, because as we review, our points were grow so that you can go, not just sit and evaluate. 
Growing in your faith means understanding what you believe, and evangelism can, is, be difficult, but it's worth it. The world is filled with a lot of things going against us as Christians. Laws, cultural changes. It's not surprising to you, is it? But that doesn't mean we should stop. That doesn't mean we need to be discouraged of, well, the odds are not good that, I'm, that this is going to happen, so I'm just not going to bother sharing the gospel. I'm just going to sit in my pew right about there, not move. Come to church, punch the clock, punch out, go home, did my, did my Christianity for the week. That's not what Jesus is telling us here. We need to be in a good growing soil. We need to be planting and growing and continually being a part of a culture where we, our roots are growing and we are sharing this with how we act and what we say. And not a silk flower that's planted because those are fake. We can't be fake. We may look beautiful. We may have all the necessary splendor as in we come looking our best. Everybody knows that we're a Christian. Everyone assumes we're a Christian. We look great. To the world, are we actually doing anything, doing anything to help the kingdom of God? No. Christianity is hard, but it means we're, we're supposed to teach, grow, support, nurture ourselves as well as others. And that's what we need to do. After all, the good farmer does that for all of us. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the fact that you are the great farmer, the great sower. Father, the one that we can rely on for everything that we need in our life. Father, continue to help to encourage us, Father, while evangelism is frightening. Talking to people might be even frightening, Father. Sharing what we truly believe. Father, continue to help us be the examples of you throughout every opportunity we have for our time off. Time, time away with family, time on, at work, no matter what situation. Help us to be an example of who you are in every opportunity to continue to grow in you by ask, learning about your word, learning about how your great love for us throughout this uh, narrative of the Bible, Father, this perfect, all-encompassing word that points us towards you. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we can be here to continue to worship you through our study, through our fellowship, and, of course, through our prayer and worship. We thank you for the opportunity. I thank you for the opportunity to be here in front of the family sharing your word. In the name I pray. Amen. Pastor Adam here. Well, I want to thank you for tuning in to Grace Bible Church, and I would love to hear what you thought of today's program or of ways that we can be praying for you and with you. So check us out on social media at GBCL. Also, if you would like to support our ministry, you can give securely at our website at www.gbclm.org. Now remember, God loves you, and so do we.